suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time can't be Well, hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and yet, we hope, enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today, we introduce Trial of the Century, Part 22. Who knew? I mean, subtitled, Abraham, Isaac, Brian Wilson, and Rip from Yellowstone. What? Well, anyway, in this podcast... We continue our very expansive discussion of the actual content of Clarence Darrow's closing argument, a discussion that I have somehow managed now to make as lengthy as the real, rambling, but moving, thought-provoking, emotional 12-hour appeal for mercy provided by the famed orator Clarence Darrow on behalf of his two teenaged defendants, Leopold and Loeb, in front of Judge Caverly. In, in his fervent intention, hope, and desire to save his clients, Nathan and Richard, from a one-way trip to the gallows, a trip, a trip most people at the time probably would have argued that the two of them ought to be taking as the boys' depraved behavior had earned them that final passage to the netherworld. They deserved to die. That was their feeling. In a similar fashion, in 2023, most viewers of the series Yellowstone, a century later, would no doubt agree that any time Rip had been assigned the heavy but necessary responsibility of delivering somebody to the train station. He did so dutifully, resignedly, and respectfully, but always successfully, and it had been a trip the soon-to-be-departed very much had deserved to embark upon. That was clear. Unfortunately for those departing, they'd check in but they'd never leave. And for Darrow, Darrow himself, uh, he was also uh, trying to champion his cause to which he'd been committed for all his adult life. His goal was to discredit in perpetuity in America and in the world the philosophy by which a state claims to maintain the authority to take human life. And toward these ends, Darrow directed the court's attention to the case I referenced in our last podcast about that guy from New York. By by outward appearances, an otherwise good, law-abiding, and religious man whom had become so transfixed, so moved by delusion, after intensely studying the Old Testament, particularly the biblical tale in which Abraham had willingly trusted in the message God had sent to him personally, directly, that he immediately sacrificed his son Isaac on an altar 
Abraham was to erect solely for that purpose, to slit his own son Isaac's throat on God's orders. Whoa, strong, strong message to follow. That guy in New York, you know, Abraham had no choice in that matter. Either did the guy from New York, as it turns out. Abraham had to obey God's orders. And so did he, that guy from New York. That guy from New York, he got his message uh, three, 4,000 years after Abraham, but God's orders were identical. Kill your son. Now, neither man had wanted to kill his kid, but God wanted Abraham and that guy in New York to kill their sons for some reason. Why? Why would God want them to do such a thing? Well, as Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys would tell us in song, God only knows. And Brian, by the time he'd shared with the world, shared with us, God only knows. He consumed such massive amounts of hallucinogenic drugs and other mind-altering drugs and had been the, the dubious, at best, beneficiary of a great many hours spent being counseled, more like taken advantage of, by that charlatan, now known, now dead, notorious Frankster quack psych counselor, one detestable Dr. Landy, whose medical license, by the way, was revoked by the state of California after so, so many ethical violations had come to light. But that, believe it or not, is is beyond the scope of my rather wide, expansive treatment of the Leopold and Lowell trial. So let's move on. But, but not before saying, if Brian Wilson couldn't see the light as high as he'd been flying, as far out as he had been, well, hell, it goes without saying that no one could. God's mysterious ways escape. They defy understanding. That guy in New York, he picked up God's vibe just as Abraham had thousands of years before. I want you to butcher your son. Now, I personally think that Abraham and that guy in New York, both some sort of schizophrenic homicidal maniacs, that guy in New York, he believed, and that's important here. Clarence Darrow would make the point. He believed. Yes, he did. And so strongly did he believe that God had spoken to him personally that the guy in New York convinced his wife as to the righteousness of the message that he had received. He proved successful in converting his wife to the idea that her husband, that guy in New York, had been, had been receiving the shocking and disturbing message that had been sent directly from God and that he must sacrifice their son, and that he had no choice whatsoever in the matter, because it was God's will. Hmm. You know, as Lenin, uh, Vladimir, <laughs> no, not, not John, and Karl Marx before had asked, what is to be done? What is to be done? Well, for that guy in New York and his unfortunate wife and their most unfortunate son, what was to be done? Well, there was nothing to be done, actually. God had spoken, hadn't he? And orders received directly from God, they cannot be disobeyed. They cannot be ignored. They must be carried out precisely. And unlike in the case of Abraham 
and most unfortunately for his son Isaac, they caught a very lucky break. When at the last moment, Abraham had received an abort mission signal from God. God had revoked his earlier order. He had changed his mind. As, <laughs> as, as Kurt Cobain and Nirvana later would, God issued, never mind. Post receipt of that revocation of that kill command, Abraham untied his hogtied son and his informed and, and then informed his had to have been freaked out now, but very relieved son that Bob Dylan like things had changed. Abraham informed <laughs> the surely, you know, surely quivering Isaac. You know, he had just received a second message from God directly revoking the earlier communication. Isaac would not have to have his throat cut. Nope, he would not have to die. Well, not today, anyway. Come on, Isaac, let's head back home. You cool with that? Yeah, sure, okay, Dad. Wow, what a day. And, and here I was, you know, always thinking that Pat Conroy's great Santini had been one scary dude of a dad. And let me tell you, Abraham was nuts. Alas, and unfortunately, no such countermanding order, no revocation was coming from God. And it was, nor was it ever received by that guy in New York. No abort message. Abort mission. No revocation was ever issued, nor received. Well, if it was issued, it was never received by that guy in New York. I mean, this situation is far far worse than, you know, a mob-like, whether it be John Gotti or Michael Corleone, all that sort of nonsense, about issuing offers that can't be refused. There had never been an offer made to that guy in New York. He'd been given a direct order from God. That guy in New York was receiving signals, orders directly from God? Are you kidding me? So that's it? He was just following orders? That was his defense? Oh, we'd certainly be hearing that defense a lot. Uh, I was just following orders later in the century, wouldn't we? Oh, yes, we would. You know, Achtung, mein Führer. That guy in New York had to have been a complete loon. He can't have gotten away with murder. Could he? This defense worked? To which I can only say, well, you know, what did, the, what did the court in New York have to say about the matter? Did or did that, that guy in New York get off on the murder beef after slitting his son's throat upon receiving direct orders from God? The same orders the Bible reports had been given to Abraham. Oh, God. You know, I've, oh God, you're kidding. He walked, you know, like me, I mean, I think, you, you too have got to be thinking, come on now, you know, or thinking like John McEnroe, you cannot be serious. You believe this BS? God, the fact that Clarence Darrow was, a, was directing the attention of the court to the case of that guy in New York has got to be a tip-off as to how the New York court ruled in the matter. Now, had it been a, you know, a, a decision rendered by 
the left-wing liberal loon Ninth Circuit of California. Well, that would be one thing. But this was a New York court. What was the verdict? Did that guy in New York slit his son's throat and walk? Yes or no? Well, I believe, I feel, oh, oh no. I, you know, I sense right at this moment a deviation from the subplot of the main plot. That is the story of the Leopold and Loeb trial coming on. I, I'm going to have a Dostoevsky-like seizure coming on, which neither can be avoided, controlled, nor can it be contained. It simply must run its course. So we'll be back. Of course we'll be back, as the Beatles suggested we all do. We'll get back to the trial of the century, the Leopold and Loeb trial, in our next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. We're out there now. Bye-bye.
I'm lost in the drift on the high seas of life. On the high seas. 